Get Cody's trade alerts and all of his latest positions on the Trading with Cody app for iPhone and Android and on tradingwithcody.com. Welcome everyone to the Trading with Cody subscriber conference call numero dos. Um... Let's, um, you know, let's I, sort of like last time, I think, it's, it's good to just sort of start off with an overview of the markets and the economy and sort of what we're looking at and what's in the headlines and what's everybody freaking out, what's the crisis du jour or the celebration du jour. Um, well, I'm, I'm all about the Spanish and French already. Um, I need to throw in some Latin. Um, markets... I mean, talk about a Teflon market. You know, you saw that uh, on Thursday, Friday, as the American Health Care Act from the Republican side of the Republican-Democrat regime pretended it was going to make a whole bunch of big changes to the overall system itself, which really on the fringe was probably going to take a lot of options and health care and protections away for people on the lower end and allow the giant corporate healthcare companies and biotech companies and pharma companies and everyone selling into the taxpayer-funded healthcare system uh, to just keep making as much money and making 99% gross margins, etc. And um, the market wanted everyone, at least the talking heads out there, wanted everyone to freak out about it. Um, You know, Thursday, Friday, Monday morning, we come in and the Futures are down, you know, one percent or something. And I don't. I was listening to either Fox Business or CNBC on my drive in that morning, and everyone was on there breathlessly saying, "I thought it would be down even more than this after the vote failed on Friday for the American Health Care Act." And blah blah. You know, by the end of the day, the markets were. I think it actually was down pretty ugly on Monday, but they were off their bottoms, and then. Uh, you know, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and here we are almost back to down 21,000 at NASDAQ trying to peak up near all-time highs again if it's not even right now. Let me look at that. Um, so, yeah, we're darn near there for the NASDAQ, aren't we? NASDAQ 6,000 coming soon. Guys, I've been talking about this concept of the Republican-Democrat regime and their very corporate focus, corporate profit focus. And the, not just corporate profits, but even the stock market focus. And from, um, you know, allowing you to invest your 401ks and your IRAs in mutual funds and stock market related vehicles and making it much harder for you to invest in other assets or starting your own business to the Federal Reserve having interest rates basically still at 0%. And one of the things with the Federal Reserve that everyone, you know, we're talking about deregulating the banks right now. Don't forget that every single emergency measure from 2008, the financial crisis in 2008, when we were supposedly staving these banks off from bankruptcy so we could get back to a state of normalcy, every single one of those emergency measures is still in place in 2017. It's part of the reason I have been so bullish overall on the general markets, on the stock market, on tech, 
on what I've been calling for, what, six, seven years now, the bubble-blowing bull market. And we continue to live through it here. Um, it's Someday things will come back. I mean, it's, you know, there's... Bubbles are not healthy over the long run. There's a lot of malinvestment, a lot of investments going on. You know, the banks still have a higher percentage of profits relative to GDP than they ever have in the last 200 years. And those things allow people to fly around in private jets and do all of the giant, uh, you know, wonderful things that the top 0.1% of the people get to do is they use the system in many ways to not pay their 30% of taxes that the small businesses are. All of that stuff, guys, goes into this whole thing that I keep talking about, the bubble-blowing bull market. You're sitting there in your Apple and you're borrowing money at a negative interest rate, which means people are paying you to borrow money from them. And then you go out and you buy tens of billions of dollars of your stock, and then you route as many revenues as you can through other countries that don't make you pay interest, any income taxes on it or near zero income taxes on it, and you end up with an almost 0% overall income tax, not to mention benefiting from the 0% interest rates from the Federal Reserve. Guess what? Apple's now a three quarter of a, quarters of a trillion dollar company. We have ridden that for 12, 13 years. And I complained about it every step of the way, of course, because I want a level playing field. I want small businesses like my own, the IM app that's competing against Apple and Google and Facebook out there. I don't want us to have to pay 30% if they're not paying 30%. But as long as they're not, as long as they're the most profitable company on the planet and they're barely paying taxes, their stock's probably going to keep going up. Stepping back, that's sort of the same thing for the overall stock market. And we ride this until we don't. We need to be, like I talked about last week, paranoid and worried about that next black swan event. But we don't want to be just out here scared. The Burma bears and the bears out there have been scared for the last seven years. And they've missed a lot of wealth creation that we've been able to benefit from. I think that'll be a good intro. Doggone it, that was a long one. Um, any questions from those who have called in? Or I can already jump in and start answering some of the emailed and chat questions. I've had Apple now for the last 12 years, 13 years. Huge portions. I hate to use the word huge, but it is. Portion of my portfolio. I'm afraid to let it go, and I'm holding on to it. Because it's, it seems like it's still going well. The only guideline that I've developed for myself that's any help to anybody is look at the weekly unemployment number. As long as that stays strong, if it starts to go the other way, then I feel there's going to be too many cascading negative events. And then I'd start coming. And then are you, going to, are you going to sell a third of your apple or half of your apple or all of your apple if and when you decide that turn has come? It has come. No. Well, and you know, that's a function of, have you been reading me since I've owned Apple for 12, 13 years also? Yes, I've been a member since about eight years. Well, thanks so much. 
And ever and even before that, obviously, then back in 2003 or four, whenever it was that you bought Apple. So I think I've owned Apple now since yeah. March 2003, maybe somewhere April 2003. But I guess I'm near a, uh, what is that, 14-year uh, anniversary with my Apple. And I've continually pared it down, too. As you know, I, I, I'll sell 5 or 10% on occasion. I'll nibble some more when it's been crushed. I might buy some call options, long-dated yes, things. Uh, my appointment changed to an earlier time, so... Um, so, at any rate, guys, I, I, with the Apple, look, it is a three-quarters of a trillion dollar company. I do think it still has a lot more upside. Um, whoever's out there and forgot to put their phone on mute, please do so. Um, and I think it'll be a trillion dollar company. Um, I, obviously it's still one of my top three largest positions. I think, I, I don't know that the, um, employment rate going back to that part of the comment, I don't know that that's going to be the thing that'll be a tell for me per se. It's certainly something I sort of keep an eye on. I don't watch the economic, the macroeconomic reports in the same way that, most economists, and I'm an economics major from college, and I've been doing this now for 20 years or whatever on Wall Street, but I just don't think the, you know, a lot of that stuff is rear view looking, and from 2010, if you were looking at the unemployment numbers, you would have been panicked, and you would have missed the bottom. Sometimes they're the counter tell. Um, the, the, the thing that, one of the things that I do think we need to keep paying attention to is the Federal Reserve. As they continue to raise rates, I think that's very bullish, which is exactly opposite what most every pundit out there will tell you about the Federal Reserve raising rates. But over the last 20 years, and the last 30 years, every time the Federal Reserve has been in a raising rate environment, the markets have been going through the roof. And the Federal Reserve almost looks like it's chasing the stock market trying to tamper that bubble. Eventually, they catch up to it, or there's a turn, or there's a black swan event, or the capital dries up like it did in the dot-com bubble. And then all of a sudden, the Federal Reserve is cutting rates and cutting and cutting. And you saw that in 2000 to 2002. You saw in 2007 to 2008. And what was happening to the stock markets when the Federal Reserve was in a major easing cycle? The markets were crashing. So I want to continue to watch. I want to see that Fed continue to, at least some point, pull back some of those emergency measures raise rates to something a little more sustainable, a little more natural, and the stock market will likely continue bubbling as they do that. Um, at some point, like I said, there will be a crisis or a black swan, or they'll end up with a capital drying up anyway, and then they chase the crash back down by this easing cycle. Federal Reserve is a complete and total tool of the giant banks and the corporations that we are investing in in this giant bubble blowing bull market. Don't ever forget that. Any other questions before I jump into an emailed question or comments? Emailed question. Cody, I think you should take a look at FireEye again. They seem to have implemented a turnaround plans with their new CEO. I think there is a lot of upside. Just because you're in Pan Palo Alto Networks doesn't preclude you from looking at a competitor, right? I'd love to get your thoughts on FI here at the mid-12s. With everything they've done to streamline business and cut bloat, many things. You know, the 
when a company like FireEye is a, it's a small smaller cap. It's a startup company. It's not like they're established in the marketplace or something nearly as much as say even Palo Alto, which is also not exactly established in the marketplace the way say Cisco is. But FireEye with the crisis they ended up crises that they ended up having and you know the stock I think at one point it was sixty, eighty dollars, maybe sixty bucks, eighty bucks. I don't even know. Now it's twelve dollars. They've they've taken guidance down over the last few years. It would have to be some serious proof in the pudding before I would want to get back in there. I'd rather pay fifteen or eighteen for the company after the turn has actually been a little bit proven out, rather than trying to hope and pray that that new CEO actually does get it turned without much proof. So there you have it for FireEye. Um, if you had a feet to fire, if you had feet to the fire and had to put all of your money into one or two great ideas today, what would it be? I.e. the next Facebook or the next big short, whatever you consider the most opportune right now after an eight year tired bull market, et cetera, et cetera. Cash. <laughs> um, I've talked before about a book that Kramer gave me when I was launching my hedge fund back in 2002 um, called and by Andy Byer, Andrew Byer, um, Picking Horses, Picking Winners, or I don't remember the name off the top of my head, Picking Winners. But it's about gaming, it's about gambling at the racetrack. And the reason Kramer gave it to me is because beyond the idea that it's about gambling at the racetrack, the guy is all about maximizing his upside exposure when he's really confident that he has an edge and cutting back when he's less confident and getting the heck out entirely and not trying to bet when he doesn't feel like he's got any edge. So as that relates to the stock market is, you know, I'm at that spot right now. I just don't feel like there's a whole lot of excellent values out there. I, I don't think, you know, the market's not crashed. It's not like it was in 2010 when I was aggressively long. It's um, buying call options, buying stocks, getting aggressive, more than 100% long. Um, it's not like it was in 2008 when I sold out of my hedge fund. I guess it was 2007, October 2007. I took the job at Fox and closed my hedge fund entirely because I just really didn't like the setup of investing in technology, but I didn't have enough confidence to try to bet against the market um, in my own short selling, timing, et cetera, skills. So I just got out and went to TV. Um, so that's where we are right now in that cycle is I'm not terribly bullish. I don't think we've got a huge edge in being able to buy Facebook at 20 when everybody hated it and nobody thought the mobile app revolution was going to be billions, trillions of dollars in size like it has become when we were back when everybody didn't believe that. That's when we were buying these things. Now they do believe it. Facebook has gone from 20 to 140. Um... Flip side, you know, I'm not out there shorting everything. It's not like I think it's October 2007 and there's some a whole real estate collapse going on around the world that's going to cause a financial disruption. So 
Patience is the best trade right now. Uh, you know, I continue to think we've got a bubble-blowing bull market. I want to continue to own some of our best revolution investing stocks. I'll buy some of them when they get hit next time, I, ex I expect. Um, but I've got my ear to the ground. I'm making sure there's no black swan about to crash the whole thing either. Um, if there was, if I thought there was, I'd probably be looking at a great short opportunity or something. I think you'd just be patient. You know, you own a lot of great revolution stocks. You keep with them, take some profits, trim back a little. But, you know, don't go net short or something yet. Sorry, it's not a better answer. Sometimes that's the best answer. It's why people do stick around with trading with Cody over time is because I'm not forcing ideas on you. I'm not forcing the next trade because you guys need an idea. I think there's a lot of value in me reminding you to just be patient sometimes. Any questions or comments, or shall I go to the next emailed question? That answer is we're looking. Please. I have a question. We're all ears. You take a look at an average. If we take a look at an average portfolio, and you got Apple, and you got Facebook at 142, and you got Google at 849, those people really take up a large preponderance of your portfolio, even though the number of shares you hold may be small relative to the rest. How do you keep a balanced portfolio in a situation like that? Well, I mean, and that's part of what that earlier question about Apple was, or the discussion we had about Apple, and after owning it for 12, 13 years, and it becomes an outsized part of your portfolio, no matter how often you trim it. Um, if it goes up 10,000%, or Amazon, like you're talking about, which I haven't owned for the 10,000% gain it's had, but I've owned for several hundred percent over the, several times over the years. Um, you, you know, you look at my own trading with Cody, if you don't mind, hit uh, mute again on your phone. Um, you look at the, my own trading with Cody, largest positions, uh, latest positions, and... It's, you know, it's dominated with Facebook, Apple, and Google, and Amazon, just like your portfolio, because I've owned them, and they've got, I've got huge gains in them, and I already had big positions in them, and, um, you know, I buy some Gigamon, and it's, you know, even a full-size position in Gigamon is going to be anywhere near what my position in Apple, Facebook, Google, and Amazon at this point are. There's no science to this. There's no, you know, if you end up trying to, one of my friends, a, a very good hedge fund manager, never allows a position to grow larger than, he never allows a position to grow to larger than 5% of his hedge fund. And so, you know, if he ended up, he didn't, if, but if he had, say, bought Apple and it went up 10,000%, or if he bought Facebook at 20 and went, went up 500%, he's got... You know, he's, he's going to end up selling, 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 and missing out on a lot of those gains because he wouldn't allow the big position to continue to rise. The flip side of that is we've had subscribers before that have talked in these Q&As with questions about, look, you know, they've been following me for 12 or 13 years, like the prior subscriber who had mentioned and owned Apple, and someone had 30% of their fund in Apple at this point. 
uh, of their portfolio, not fund, but their por- personal portfolio in Apple. And that's too much. So, um, you know, you got to just sort of try to have your cake and eat it too. Trim some when they're at all-time highs and the stocks have gone through the roof and have the discipline to nibble a little back when they get crushed and everyone's freaking out over Brexit or Greek financial crisis or whatever it is. And um, try to balance it. The simplest way to tell if you need to sell some is if you're worried about it at night. That applies to your overall portfolio or and it applies to an individual position. If you're so long in your portfolio that you're losing sleep, you're too long. Sell a little bit. Catch your breath. If That's a good comment. If you own 30% in Apple, it's probably too much. It should be keeping you up at night. If you own 20% in Apple, but it's not keeping you up at night because you bought it at $2 and it's at 140 well, you know, God bless. Don't, you know, ride it a little bit. You've got the gains that cushion you a little bit. Maybe sell five percent, something like that. Case being the point being, yeah, if you're up, if you're up at night, you're too long in either a stock or your portfolio. Um, next question, or go ahead. Did you have another comment? Well, with regard to your comment about the portfolio, I agree with you totally. Well, thanks very much. Did you know, as we're talking, uh, let's just say, are we about to pass $20 trillion in debt? Wow. It's all good when interest rates are near zero, huh? Um... Other questions, comments, or sh- I've got more questions here in the chat room I can read. All right, I'll read this question. Oh, hi, Carl. Everybody, thanks for calling in. If uh, those of you who have joined us late, thank you for calling in. We're just uh, going through everything. If you have any questions or comments, please jump in and ask them. Please keep your phone on mute until you do comment or uh, question. Um, as you can tell, I'm still a little hoarse, a little stuffed up, but, uh, I'm powering through guys. Um, emailed question. I just read an old article titled by you, Cody, called where to invest your money when you don't trust the markets. This article was of interest to me because I don't trust the markets, any of them. There's just way too much manipulation, corruption. Let me pull up. I've got an abbreviated version of this question here. I want to get the full one. This art, uh, there's just way too much question. There's just way too much manipulation, corruption, and fraud that goes in, that goes on in all of the markets. So my question to you is this: If one feels this way, where is the best place to put my money? And just to let you know, I've worked on finance for a number of years as a portfolio manager. So. Um, You know, the simplest answer to this question is invest in yourself. Start a business. Place the vast majority of your own money, your own time, your own energy into betting on yourself and something that you're creating. Um, 
That's what I do. I certainly own stocks. I own some hard gold. I own real estate. But, you know, I own other assets. A lot of those markets I don't trust. I don't trust the real estate market. I mean, you know, the mortgage interest deduction, that's ridiculous that people who are rich enough to own a house don't have to pay as much taxes as people who rent a house. Um, that and That's another one of those things that creates bubbles. That's the, Fe the Federal Reserve and the Republican-Democrat regime's policies creating money, putting money, forcing money into places that wouldn't naturally go without tax incentives. Um, so real estate, it's manipulated. Um, certainly I don't trust gold ETFs or any ETF market out there that is supposed to have some hard-based asset. I don't trust oil. I, I don't trust the oil markets. Um, stocks, as you guys know, I mean, you know, from all of the different incentives from, again, your 401ks to IRAs to 0% interest rates to tax tricks for giant global corporations. that I don't trust any of it, but we live in this world. I'm not going to stuff all my money under the mattress either. I'm going to do my best to be objective, to be thinking free, to look at the world, to look at the economy, to look at these markets and try to understand the dynamics between them and to profit off of those things before they happen. To have a bigger picture than most of those guys that you're out there listening to on CNBC. We got to be objective and open to the way these markets are manipulated, but that doesn't, again, necessarily mean that we are scared of being in them. It means we should be paranoid about it, but it doesn't keep us entirely out of them. But if you want to avoid every market out there, you're either going to need to buy gold, or you're going to need more to the point to just invest in yourself, invest in your own business, invest in your own ideas. Here's another question. Oh, question comment. What smaller companies do you see with most with the most potential to become to become the next Apple, Facebook, Amazon, or Google that are in early place for growth, where Apple was say 12 years ago? It's a great question, but I don't have a great answer for it because, um, you know, I mean, that's what I spend all day, every day trying to find. Um, my own companies, I do think, have a whole lot of potential. The IM app could become the next Facebook. Um, guys, I, you know, we've owned... Apple, Facebook, and Google for many years, and we've owned Amazon off and on for many years. And we've, I was on, I was being interviewed a few weeks ago or a couple months ago on a radio somewhere in New York or something, and the guy asked me, you know, some of my recent picks, and I threw out, it was like uh, NVIDIA, or, and uh, I had a good year with last year, and I mentioned my Fitbit losses, and he goes, well, what some of your other winners long-term say? And I said, well, you know, I've owned Apple since March 23 at a dollar. Facebook since 25, I bought it all the way down to 18, including options. And, you know, I tell them the stories that you guys know have been subscribing to me as we bought Apple, Facebook, Amazon, and Google. And I was calling them the four horsemen of tech, you know, 
10 years ago in some of those cases and five years ago in Facebook's case. And the guys were like, well, man, that's like all of them. Like Apple, Facebook, Amazon, Google, and last year NVIDIA. And I'm like, well, don't get me wrong. I've had a lot of losses too, you know. I mean, as you guys know, not all of our wins have been Apple, Facebook. Not all of my picks have been Apple, Facebook, Amazon, and Google either at NVIDIA. But I guess that's the point is, look, we got four or five out of the last 10 years. We got Apple, Facebook, Amazon, and Google are the most valuable planet companies on the planet. They're worth $400 billion for Amazon and Facebook. What is it? $550, $600 billion for Google. $750 billion for Apple. And we bought them when they were small caps, mid caps. So I, I'm not trying to just brag here or avoid the question. I mean, guys, it's hard. All I do is try to find the next Apple, Facebook, Amazon, and Google. I'm... I'm I promise you, if I had the ones with the most potential that weren't already in the portfolio, I would, I would tell you. I mean, I think Palo Alto could, you know, be a five or ten-fold return. Um, Amberella, I mean, if they deliver, that one's still so volatile and such a binary outcome. You got a lot of, lot more risk in Amberella than you ever had in Facebook, Apple, Amazon, or Google. Frankly, of course, hindsight twenty twenty. Um, What about some of these drone stocks with something unique that would set them apart from the rest? You guys remember I wrote a report about, I mean, it was like 10 stocks for the drone revolution or something. I'll have to go back and pull it up and look at some of those stocks. Um, the Drones are not smartphones. And they're not going to be anytime soon, you know? Robots are probably a little more exciting. I don't think so. I don't think drones themselves anytime soon are going to be that kind of thing. I think I think wearables are probably a bigger market near term. I think um, robotics themselves, I just, artificial intelligence too. Drones, I've, I don't know. Maybe ten years from now, twenty years from now, it, it'll be a better the the tectonic plates of the world of the economy of the marketplace of technology will be set up better for drones. But I just think we're too early in the cycle to to for it to be, you know, a a a, a, a trillion dollar market or something. What about Uber or Lyft? You know, if they come public, we'll take a look at them when they come public, as always. It depends on the valuation. It depends on the actual fundamentals. It depends on the business models. Um, I sure don't like the management at Uber, um, except for the fact that they've taken over the world and I use the service every time I travel. So um, I've never used Lyft, frankly, and... um, you know, we'll find out when they come public. Out here in Las Vegas. What'd you say? You know, I could even better. I think some people in Las Vegas have used Lyft, and they like it even better than Uber. The whole thing for me is just I want when I want a car service, I want as many options as possible, and and Uber has 
a bigger critical mass of drivers. So that's that's the that's the right. totality of the reason I use Uber. And I think that's like most things in the internet and the app world. It's a winner takes all kind of business. So um, you know, Lyft is sort of Yahoo to um, Uber being Google. Mm-hmm. All right, I think I got a couple more questions here that have been e- either chatted or emailed. Um, let me see. Nope. Kathy, you got any other for me? Or anybody else with que- Oh, here's a question. Um, with a little more time and activity and others' commentary under our belt. Excuse me, I put a uh, cough drop in my mouth there and it wasn't able to talk. I wasn't able to talk with it. So, um, with a little more time and activity and others' commentary under the belt, any new reflections on Snap? Snapchat. Um, I don't, I, I, you guys saw that article I wrote, which I called, I think, six differences between Facebook and Snapchat when they came public or something like that. Um, I really do put a lot of weight in the IPO itself and the price action immediately after. And as you guys know, this is another, just like with the Federal Reserve commentary we did earlier, this is exactly opposite of what everybody else I've ever read or heard talk about IPOs believes. Again, I'm just, this is my own free thinking here. You want to get as much as possible on your balance sheet, in your checking account when you go public. The reason you are going public is to raise money to compete, to build your business, to grow. If you're going public and leaving a 50% pop from where you sold the shares to where the people who bought the shares then get to sell it in the market when the stock market opens and starts trading in their stock, that's 50% money that you could have. Facebook, again, being the best example of doing it the right way. They got every dollar they could have. They upped the price. They upped the price. They upped the shares. They upped the shares. Then they sold as many shares as they possibly have ever told them they possibly could at as high a price as they possibly could. And the market couldn't bear it near term, and the stock crashed from 35 to 18. Who cares? Facebook got as much money as possible for the battle, for the, for the wars, for the next 10 years. They put... Tens of billions of dollars on their balance sheet that they wouldn't have had if they had allowed the stock to pop 50% the first day, which is what Twitter, Facebook, GoPro, and so many um, companies that go public do. I think that's dumb. So that in and of itself is a huge red flag against Snapchat's management and the prospects for the company. They've got to compete against Facebook and Google and Apple and Amazon. Snapchat has to compete against those companies for the next 10 years, 20 years. And Snapchat put $3 billion 
on their balance sheet to do that battle with when they could have put four and a half or five billion on their balance sheet to do the battle with. That's a billion dollars that they don't have now to invest, to research, to hire, to poach talent from Google and Facebook. It's a big mistake. Big mistake. I don't, it, it, it truly makes me feel like I am on another planet or something that nobody else sees the world this way. You never hear anything good about the Facebook IPO to this day. People say the Facebook IPO, despite the disaster of Facebook's IPO, the stock has done great in years since. Despite the brilliant IPO at Twitter, the stock has been crap since. No, it was a crappy IPO at Twitter. It was a brilliant IPO at, at Facebook. I don't know why the world doesn't see it that way. It seems pretty straightforward to me. You're raising money. That's why you went public. Raise as much money as you can. A long-awaited broad market breather slash correction before taking a position? Probably not. I, I mean, Alexa is a gem. It is, it's a juggernaut, guys. It is, Jeff Bezos is doing so much with retail. He's doing so much with Amazon Web Services. Those are reasons enough to own Amazon. But it's the Alexa that's got me so excited for the next five or ten years. It's the artificial intelligence around Alexa, the deep learning of Alexa, the ease of use of Alexa already is just so much better than... I still... I, I will not talk to my Siri. I try about once a month, and it never works. It either didn't hear me, it just sits there doing back and forth, it didn't hear me right, I didn't hold the button on the right time. Whereas, watch, Alexa, play Spotify Discover Weekly. Discover Weekly from Spotify. Alexa, volume up. Yeah. I mean, come on. Siri, play music. Siri, Siri, hello, Siri. Alexa, stop. <laughs> I mean, that that's, guys, that's billions of dollars. That is hundreds of billions of dollars in the next 10 years. It's not, it, like, it's just cool. It's also from Amazon. It's also already been sold tens of millions of units. It's also going to be in cars next year. If Amazon is doing what I think they're doing, I have no insights. I don't know someone at Amazon that's working at this. But if Amazon is doing what I think they're doing, they are right now creating an Alexa-centric, Android-built smartphone. And that thing is going to be... That's, go, that's going to be the next phase. That's, we probably should cover our short in EWY slash Samsung until Alexa comes out with their new phone. When Amazon comes out with the Alexa phone... It's end of days for the Samsung dominance in the Android hardware. There's a trending story about that. 
Did you hear that? Alexa, stop. She's reading me headlines about the Samsung Galaxy 8. Incredible. I, I, I'm sorry. That it, It's getting better all the time. It didn't do that three months ago. That's what I'm talking about with the deep learning and the artificial intelligence. It's not like it's just sitting there. They're investing billions in making that thing what Watson was supposed to be. Guys, I'm getting really hoarse. Unless there's any other great questions, I'm going to have to wrap it up. Well, well, thank you so much. I appreciate the kind words. I, I do try to keep it. I will, guys. Have a great time. Great day. Thanks for uh, for being subscribers. And about the way he living Take a hit, make a hit, keep a tunnel vision Sign a deal with the feds, go to music prison Who will believe you a prophet when you enjoy the music Sells advertisements and profits Well, who knew, boo, ho, get a clue Yo, do I blew your mind from Q, you to Soho Cody Willow, New Mexico, Lobo, Muddy Souls Get around like hobos, yeah, we be tearing it up And you gon' get it, how you giving it up? You gon' give it, why you giving it up? Living while you living it up. See, I thought I was rich till I got rich and found out how rich rich can get.